It's good to be back, as always. Always good to be with you, Rob. Yeah, we were just chatting just now about uh, the last um, episode we did. I was uh, uh, admitting my failure to you and that I had said we should we should all spend a bit of time writing down journaling when we are when we're maybe feeling anxious or or down or you know things aren't aren't going too well and and we just listened to to that episode now and and I had to admit to you that that I actually haven't done that this week that it, it hasn't you know I look back and I think of some of the times when I should have actually found a bit of space particularly one time when I should have found a bit of space and just just put something down to have calm myself down, centered myself and understood what was going on for me. So what do you want to say about that, Rob? <laughs> yes, Stu, so I um, nursed you towards a confessional um, and uh, you did say that you had felt a bit hypocritical, but then I guess what we've called this all along is imperfect parenting. And of course, you and I have the, uh, the conviction that parenting and uh, loving our kids and growing with our kids is all about self-development, you know, two steps forward, one back, hopefully along those lines. And of course, gee, you know, that's welcome to parenting. Um, we look at ourselves, we know what practices we want to develop and um, cement in our lives. But gosh, it's not perfect, is it? We, we do our best. And um, fortunately, that's good enough uh, when it comes to family. Um, so, so strength to you. And uh, I'm just glad I didn't have to confess this time around. Maybe it'll be my turn next time because I certainly make many of those sorts of two steps forward and one back. So Stu, um, in terms of today's episode, yes, we listened to our previous episode and my encouragement to us was to take the time to map out worry logic both for ourselves and for our children it's absolutely worth its weight in gold uh, my argument is that it gives us a base to move forward I think in really really important ways um, and also obviously it helps us to understand where our children are at and um, that's always going to be crucial and importantly they they can feel that we understand so that means that we are starting to be able to to coach or guide them um, from the inside, to speak to their hearts, to encourage them in ways that I think can be incredibly powerful. Um, I have this idea and, uh, and, and belief that when it comes to parenting, we're wanting to go from truth to strength. We're wanting to stay with and honor the truths of where our children are at, um, know it, accept it so that we can guide. Um, and for me, that's going to be always, if you like, a bedrock of, of good parenting. And for ourselves as well, to stay open to the truths of ourselves, all the gunk, all the difficulties, all the worries. And then from there to do our best, you know, knowing that we are fallible people and, uh, you know, vulnerable people. Um, so there's a humanity to it that I think is really important. Um, so yes, this idea of speaking to the heart of our children. Now, what this does is it helps us, it gives us this base for action or behavior. And that would be the third point on the triangle when it comes to managing worry in our kids. So if you'll remember, the first point on the triangle I said uh, had to do with the way worry makes us feel, um, the physiological arousal. And so a very difficult aspect of worry um, the second was our imagination or our minds, what we, what we often unknowingly fear 
Uh, what is it that we're actually afraid of and mapping that out with our kids? And then the third point would be behavioral action. And that's because when we are anxious, um, instinctively we, we do things um, to avoid that feeling. So avoidance is a very important part of the worry engine. It's what keeps anxiety strong, actually, is the instinctive um, avoidance of that horrible feeling. Um, and it becomes oftentimes repeated. It's something of a pattern in our lives. And it can last a long, long time, you know. So that's why again and again, it's always good for us. It, it will always be good for us to stop and to say, why do I do the things I do? And to tease out and look at, because it can be deceptive, is fear actually driving what I'm doing? I think that that's a very, oftentimes difficult perhaps, but very uh, potentially rich, um, challenging thing for us to do. And certainly for our kids, we want them to, um, to be aware of the ways fear wants them to go, the ways fear might get them to do something that um, ultimately won't be good for them. And it builds on really this, this instinctive impulse to avoid discomfort. And what's interesting about it, of course, is that we can avoid stuff that even seems on the face of it positive. So we will behave in a way that seems good, but the problem is that underneath it, it's, it's worry or fear that's driving that so-called good behavior. And that's why, you know, in my practice, I'll see so many wonderful, talented young people doing really well. But the problem is a lot of what they're doing is founded on fear. And I want to help them unpack that, repackage it, so that they're working off a better base. Rob, can you give, give some examples of uh, the kinds of behaviors and sort of the, the fear that drives them, uh, are you able to do that? Or am I jumping ahead here? It's absolutely fine. I mean, I think that there are just so many examples. And this is, I guess, the eye-opening thing for ourselves as well, is so much of what we do is founded on fear. Now, look, I'm not saying that it's out and out bad. It might be a good thing that we're actually doing this because we're worried about um, some problem that might occur if we don't do that so it's not that fear is bad i just want us to if we're going to do that behavior especially in a repeated way let's do it with both eyes open when it comes to children um, some of the apparently positive uh, behaviors would be for instance children who are perfectionist you know just working too too darn hard and for too darn long in ways that one can see are actually uh, hurting that child, making them in lots of ways unhealthy. So that would be a typical example. Um, it's very, very easy for capable sports people to train too hard. So overtraining. Um, and that's because worry will give a child, a young person, that horrible never enough feeling. Um, so you've never done quite enough. Um, there's always more that you could do. And the child might be if uh, she or he's a teenager, settling down for a well-earned good night's sleep. And then worry starts to go in the mind, you know, are you sure you covered that section enough? Are you sure you know all of the, the, the 10 points to do with your biology exam tomorrow? And so the child with that, you know, what if worry in mind, what if I don't know enough, might just get up and do 
another very counterproductive half hour, even though they should be, you know, sound asleep by then. So just to to recap, then you've got you've got the the sensations and the feelings and the and the physiological, as you said, side and and the one triangle, and to start with that, and then the next next is the mind and and the actual thoughts and that that drive uh, the worry and the anxiety, and then you've got the behaviors that then come from those things. And if we don't know what's going on, we can't really do anything <laughs> about the behavior. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's in a sense unconsciously driven. So a person is doing something, they might even be getting a lot of praise. But the problem is that they're not happy, or you can see that they're not sleeping at night, or they're having panic attacks, or they're suddenly bursting into tears, feeling overwhelmed, becoming increasingly reluctant to go to practices, you know, maybe at a, uh, just before the performance, they start to resent the game. They say they want to give up. And then you realize, oh, my word, this really talented, wonderful young person has been doing all of this for all this time. And in actual fact, the engine driver has been fear. And it can easily happen. It's a subtle thing. Um, and that's why I'm saying, you know, it's really worth working out why are we doing what we're doing. And just to make sure that um, fear isn't the boss of their our motivations so that that, that br- reminds me of a book i read quite a while ago when i was actually coaching sport long long time ago at school and it was a, a book called soccer tough it was i think it was the 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 mental coach for man united uh soccer club at this is now again probably going back 15 years or so and the interesting thing that he said about young children was that he said the the beginning thing that you should ask a child when they come off a field is did you have fun did you enjoy that uh, which i thought was such an it was, it was quite a, a surprise to me for the mental coach from man united to be saying something like that and his point and i can't remember where he went from this but his point was is that if cristiano ronaldo or you know one of these great soccer players is not actually enjoying himself you know, when when he's when he's out there training hard and and pushing hard, he wasn't suggesting that it's not, it's all simple and easy, but he said if he isn't enjoying himself, then he's probably not going to be the best player in the world. Or he's probably not going to get to the best that he that he actually is. What would you say to that, Rob? Yes, I would say absolutely, um, because the foundation is fear, and it's going to implode sooner or later. Um, so I think that that's true. Um, and we will certainly uh, do an episode at least, if not more, on, on coaching, psychology of coaching our kids as parents. For me, that's a big topic. But for now, though, I just want to stay to the, with the subtlety of it. And as parents, you know, we could also ask our children that question. The problem is that anxiety might also have been prompting them to say the right thing. So they might say, yes, I did enjoy it, but that's just because of social desirability. (laughs) So what we want to do again is not forget, what is the body evidence showing us? Can we see exuberance? Can we see spontaneity, laughter? Can we see the child kicking the soccer ball on his own when we aren't around? You know, can we see see all of those signs of where where our children's true selves are? Um, and are they looking okay? Are they sleeping well? Are they playing? Is there banter in the home? You know, what's the tone of things? And we've got to look at that because, again, our children could be doing all the right things, but there is evidence that there's something inside them that's off uh, because of those kinds of, of symptoms, and they can be quite subtle.
That makes sense, Rob. And so I suppose the, the next question for me would be, as you unpack something like that with a child, the fear, you know, that, um, okay, I can see that there's fear, but the child doesn't want to actually go there. Or, you know, I'm struggling with the skills to be able to, to understand that. Uh, wh- what what do you do? How do you go about it? Or again, am I jumping ahead here? I mean, we'll certainly look at it, um, you know, over at least another episode. But I think what we're doing, first of all, is we're saying that our, ch- our children are, are doing stuff in the world. So they're at school, they're with friends, they're doing homework, I guess. Um, you know, they're interacting with us. There's various things that, that all of us do in the world. Now, um, we are here tracking anxiety. If our children are anxious we're going to map it out in the ways that I've described and it could be that whatever they're anxious about is about something that they are busy with in the world whether it's homework or sport or any uh, commitment that they've made and we can then start to unpack it from there I still think that we need to start by saying what is it that we're af- that your, your child is afraid of and from there we start to get the base to say how do we take this forward um, for starters, is this even something our, ch- our child actually wants to do? Is it a core passion, a true passion, or is it in fact what's called a derived passion, which is in actual f- fact something that a child picks up because that's what the context wants from him, <laughs> whether it's the school or the peer group or, or us. You know, So is it in fact an authentic passion? Hopefully it is, because then we need to dust it off from anxiety, and I'll talk about that in the next episode. Clean it up, get the motivations uh, healthy again, and we can help our child in profound ways to persevere and to keep going, um, despite setbacks, despite fears, um, with those things that they really like and they really want to do. So there's all sorts of things that we can look at when we take the time to map this out in the kinds of conversations we're describing. Great, Rob. Thank you for that. It's good good to hear, and I look forward to the next episode to hear a little bit more on this.